Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer Cahill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends, and thank you so much for being here for another episode of Regarding Consciousness. I am Jennifer Cahill, the host of this show and CEO of OptiMatch, OM.app, matching coaches and therapists using our proprietary algorithm. And if you're interested in learning more, we invite you to go to OM.app. So today we have with us a very apropos topic for today's guest. We have Dr. Keith Marin joining us, who just wrote a new book called The Art of Transformational Coaching. Dr. Keith Marin is the founder and managing partner of Leadership Pathways, which is an organizational and consulting leadership development firm dedicated to helping organizations with bold visions achieve sustainable high performance and industry leadership. As an organization effectiveness and executive development coach, he has more than 30 years of experience assisting executives and managers in business, government, and education. Dr. Keith Marin received his doctorate from Harvard in 1985, where his studies span the field of human and organizational development. He has conducted research on the relationships between human development, managerial effectiveness, and high performance, and has published numerous professional journal articles. He is also the author of seven books on human and organizational change. Thank you so much for being here, Keith. It's such a pleasure to have you here. My pleasure as well. Yeah, so tell us, Keith, a little bit about this. The show is around consciousness. And this is one thing that we've actually never tackled in this show before is the idea of what is the consciousness of coaching? It seems like you're quite the expert on this with over three decades of experience. What is the consciousness of coaching? Depending on how you define consciousness, that we won't go there, but we'll just... <laughs> that's a whole episode in and of itself. That's, that's a whole, the whole years and years of... If we think about different coaches have different ways of thinking about the helping process, and they often don't examine it necessarily. We each go in with, I want to be helpful. Somebody says, I have a problem. And I immediately, the part of me that wants to be of service kicks in. And we don't ask the question very often, what does help mean? We often don't even ask the person, what kind of help would you want? Interestingly, because our own assumptions or paradigms about coaching or helping kick in immediately. So I would just say that there are probably many different ways of orienting in terms of helping. One is that I'm going to give you advice. Oh, you've got a problem. I have a solution. That's the typical way in which people try to help. Another way is to be a, just a good listener and to be compassionate. I'm not going to help you. I'm going to be with you. Mm. That's a different consciousness. And then the third that in my book would be a very different way of orienting would be, first, it requires that I ask the person, would you like to go deeper into this? Mm. And would you like to, you're presenting a problem, but you want to go and solve it in a deep way, such that it pretty much clears from your life. And if so, we're going to go into a process and we're going to excavate more deeply. And notice giving advice or listening doesn't necessarily excavate. 
but we're going to excavate. And that's a different consciousness. There may be more, but those are three primary ones that come to mind. Keith, I can really hear and personally feel the value that this can add for our listeners and viewers, given that I was just personally struggling with this myself yesterday. God bless. I coach people professionally, of course, though at the same time, you have a husband or you have a best friend, right? And you often offer coaching solicited or unsolicited. Right. And just yesterday, my husband and I were having a lovely, intense discussion around this because he was very frustrated with a friend. And I just jumped in. I was like, oh, I have this beautiful spiritual tool. Honey, let me share this tool with you. And it broke his heart because that's not what he wanted. He wanted in that moment a hold me, tell me it's going to be okay. And I was like, but I have the solution that'll help fix what you're dealing with. And it causes so much pain in relationships when we go unconscious to this. Yes. And the person who's sharing the problem with you, your husband in this case, may not know Mm. immediately what he's wanting. He may be just sharing a feeling and he may be just connecting but in sharing a particular feeling that has a problem embedded in it, <laughs> which I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm like, solve problems. Radar, looking all the time. Attack oh, there's problems. a problem. Oh, I could be helpful. The, your husband may not know in that moment. So the question, honey, what are you, what has you share this with me is a beautiful question that invites him to get clear and for you to not go into automatic, oh, I'm here to help. <laughs> that is Keith. Where were you 24 hours ago? If we only we had scheduled this interview a day earlier, two days. Well, I, I know, and I can help you with that. Let me see if I can solve the problem you just named just now. <laughs> I know. Right. And that's our default. It is so fascinating. Some of us yeah. get feedback from our own perspective. Some of us try to encapsulate everything we've learned or taught. For me, my brain is a huge repository of thousands of tools I've learned over decades. It's really what makes an incredible coach is the ability to discern and to ask those curious questions. And I love what you talk about too in the book, which is breaking old paradigms. Share with us a little bit about how do we identify paradigms and then when do we determine if they're meant to be shattered or broken or not? As a coach, I don't know if it's, I think we've got to determine that in partnership with our client. So let's define a couple of things. In my mind, a paradigm, a personal paradigm, any kind of paradigm, it's a way of understanding the world. It's usually that term is thrown around in cultural or political contexts where you can see clearly different cultures have different ways of being. So the term paradigm is paradigma. It's from Greek. It literally means model or pattern. But where it relates to coaching meaningfully, I think, is that we each operate from many different paradigms in our personal lives. A student of voice dialogue or of internal family systems, you would appreciate that we're made up of different parts. Mm -hmm. And each of those parts has a paradigm or more. So, for example, I have a controlling part that is designed in a particular way that likes to control things. It's not all of who I am, but it's a part of who I am. And so if we just took a look at the control part and we tried to understand its paradigm, that part has a certain set of beliefs about life. Mm. Life is meant to be controlled or the world doesn't provide. And so I got to control life so that I get what I want. It has beliefs. It's got a set of assumptions and ways of understanding life. It's got some needs. I have a need not to be hurt. I have a need to accomplish certain things. 
And it's got some goals such as protect self or accomplish those needs, meet those needs. And with those assumptions, beliefs, goals, and strategies, goals and needs, it produces a strategy or a set of strategies for how I orient. For example, when something isn't working, fix it. That's a strategy. Or when I'm not getting what I want, express my desires. That's a strategy or a behavior. Those strategies result in actions. Those actions result in outcomes. And those outcomes usually reinforce my beliefs or my goals and meet my needs. So a paradigm is the total. For me, a personal paradigm is the totality of all that. Part of the problem with coaching is we don't look at all of that. When somebody, a client comes to us and says, I have a problem, we listen to them, we find out a little bit about their consciousness, and we detect a belief. And we go, "You, oh yeah, you have a limiting belief there. Can you see that limiting belief right there? And they go, oh yeah, you're right, that's a limiting belief. I have a little blind spot there. And then we think that just surfacing the limiting belief is enough to dislodge the paradigm. And I'm here to say it's often not enough. Because we look at paradigms too limited in a too limited way. And my whole book is about understanding paradigms in a holistic way, such that you can truly affect the person's paradigm or help them dislodge it and find a new paradigm that's a healthier, better paradigm. Question about that. One technique that was taught to me probably about six or eight months ago that changed my life is Psyche, which is a thing that you use to reduce to basically transform limiting beliefs, or you have other ones like EFT, but there are so many of them. Uh, do you always have to go deep or can you use one of these, I would almost call them band-aid techniques, and can they be effective? Or do we always need to peel back all of the layers of the onion to get to whatever the core belief is? How does that work? Yeah. I wrote a book about the seven steps and the process and looking at things holistically, et cetera. I'm a little allergic to anything that says, this is how you do it always. It's really, uh, let me give you, when might I do it in a Band-Aid-ish kind of way? And when might I? Usually early on, I listen deeply, as I imagine you do, to my client. They present a problem. Let's say they, the presenting problem is, I have a lot of self-doubt and I just got a new job. It's a way bigger job than I've ever had. And my self-doubt is all over me. It's gripping me. And I'm afraid I'm going to fail. That's the presenting problem. Most coaches don't wouldn't just give advice and say, oh, here's how you handle self-doubt. Because we don't know how that particular person's self-doubt shows up. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know, could be that it, this is the first time they're feeling self-doubt. And then I'd be curious why is self-doubt emerging here? Or it could be self-doubt has been there their whole life. And then I'd be curious, when did it start? How did that self-doubt form? So already we don't know. And we can't apply, if we apply a Band-Aid, when in fact it emerged early days in life, that Band-Aid is unlikely to stick. Mm. However, if it's just emerging right now, we might, a few questions and we might go, okay, I got a little... Do a little hypnosis or a little this or a little that, and you'll be fine. And so I think early days, I want to go deeper to understand the phenomenon. I want to understand it phenomenologically. And I want to understand it, how how gripping is it? How much has it got its tight grip on you? And then I want to understand 
what's going on that would have its grip on you. And then I can figure out whether there's a simpler solution or a deeper one. And then I, I got to do that with my client. So there's my long-winded answer to the question. <laughs> it's beautiful. It makes a lot of sense on that, Keith. And so let's go back. We've now defined a paradigm and we have a better sense of what that is. Then the next question becomes, how do we then shift the paradigms? And what happens, by the way, this just came to me, what happens if your paradigm and your client's paradigm clash or there's friction? How does that work? <laughs> if I'm going in, if I'm going in with, I'll answer your second question first or I'll answer Please, your, If I'm going in already with my paradigms about what you should do, how you should be as client, you client, and my job is to graft my paradigm onto you, then I don't think I'm a very effective coach, mm. transformational coach. I'm a coach already pre-wired with the answer. And this is what I think in the transformational world, in the world in which coaches, transformational coaches or therapists or, or they often go in with, I have the proper paradigm. Oh, I can see your paradigm. It's faulty. Here's the right one. And what we're really doing is grafting ours onto them. I don't think that's the most powerful and effective way of being with a client. I think being a clear witness, the, I don't know if you're familiar with Robert Heinlein's book, Stranger in a Strange Land. No, I would love but to know what you mean by a clear wonderful witness. Wonderful book. As well. what, clear what witnesses. So this. This guy in Robert Heinlein's book, this guy, Valentine, comes from a different planet and ends up on Earth. And we learn about his planet. And in his planet, they have these people called clear witnesses who are trained to clear out all assumptions, all beliefs, and all everything to be present with the other person 100%. And I love that notion. So I think my job is to be a clear witness to what's emerging for you to not be holding my assumptions, belief about what you should or shouldn't be doing, but be so clear that you have a space to open up with me. And then we can be curious together how the paradigm formed, why it formed, what is its sacred function in you? And then what might be an emerging paradigm that would serve you better? And here, it's through my listening and through my being with the other that emerges, not through my predefined set of best paradigms. A lot of coaches become coaches because they're good at certain things. And they believe, oh, I've got my life handled and I'll just help other people handle theirs. The way I've got my life handled, I eat this way, I think this way, I don't do this, I do that. I have the following attitudes. And since I got my life worked, I'm going to tell you how to live your life in much the same way. And I think that probably limits the inquiry in a mm -hmm. big way. So I think that's the second question. The first question, I can't even remember. How do they? <laughs> it's a, we can move on. It's all good. Yeah, we can move on. But you got to hold things lightly, as somebody brilliant once said. It's that these ideas come and go and whatever is meant to be in the flow will come out. Yeah. I think it's such a beautiful point that you're raising it's interesting how what I'm almost hearing you say to some extent, Keith, is that we project our own yeah. paradigms onto sure. other people, or we think that we have this quick fix. And I can, I'm going to be really frank with all of you out there. Don't judge. <laughs> I can see where I've done that. I can totally yeah. see because people are like, hey, you've done blank. You've done blank. You pray, you meditate. But you're, to your point, Keith, 
a really brilliant coach is a space. One of my dear friends who's been on the show as well, Jocelyn Herman Satcho as well, brilliant executive coach and transformational as well. And it's like, when you are nothing, then the person can step into being whatever it is that they want to create. And yet so often we're covered by these projections of other people. In fact, just the other day on social media, if I had it easily accessible, I'd read it right now. There was a beautiful post that somebody posted that there is not one version of Keith. There is not one version of Jennifer. There are thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of versions of you in the minds of every person that you've ever met. And if I may add to that, Keith, there was a story I read years ago that really opened my mind. I probably read it a decade ago. It was a fiction book called One Amazing Thing. And what I remember that the char- that the author did so well is she got you, Keith, to judge the characters. One guy was an adulterer. You had this punk kid. You felt a certain way. And the author just elicited these visceral feelings towards each of the characters. And this is very early on. And it says this on the back of the book, so I'm not giving anything away. And then, boom, a horrible... Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. And then in that moment, you have nine people trapped in this Indian embassy, and they don't know if they're going to live or die. So this ex-Marine guy says, guys, this may be the last chance we have to share the one amazing thing that makes us who we are. And to this day, Keith, I remember that experience. I remember reading Mm. that book and how your perspective shifts 180 degrees of the person you were just judging 20, 30, 50 pages earlier. And I think it's such a beautiful analogy for us as human beings and tying it into your coaching example. If we're not consciously aware whether it's a coaching relationship, a business, a marriage, a friendship, then we unconsciously project our biases, our thoughts, our paradigms on people. And then nobody is really free to be themselves. And we're just walking around mirroring the hurts and faults in other people. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's sounds like a good book too. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> My mind goes, how many times have I, what, whatever presents initially, and then I form judgments about that person. And so often, first of all, I own that I'm forming a judgment versus an assessment or just an observation. But secondly, how often I'm wrong. What's the guy, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called Blink, where he says we're often right on our individual impressions. Kahneman and Tversky's whole research, body of research, shows that no we're often wrong because we're projecting all kinds of stuff onto them i can't not project i cannot stop projecting i think it's part of the human condition what i can do is try to be aware that i'm projecting and arrested in its early days and own it and then do my best to open up so on that note if we're all human beings and you being one of the top coaches transformational coaches at that who's written countless books done studies done research what hope is there for us as human beings it's hopeless (laughs) okay don't joke about that let's let go let's party yeah i know i was just reading speaking of books victor frankel's man's search for meaning and it really is amazing it's like the when you take away somebody's hope you take away everything. The body's immune yeah, yeah. system, everything yeah. goes down. So I think that there is hope for us. I think the hope perhaps yeah. lies 
and realizing our fallibility is what I'm hearing in this moment. How does that land for you? Like, where can we draw this hope from if we're looking for a coach, if we're intending to be a coach, if we just need a therapy and advice? How do we believe that we're going to find somebody who's not good? I was just on a call like this yesterday where somebody was telling me a potential investor and she said, Jen, I watch my therapist and they raise their eyebrow in a certain way. And I know they've just judged me in that moment and now I can't trust them. So how do we mitigate that as human beings? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, it's such a beautiful question. First of all, I don't think it's hopeless. Uh, <laughs> I just, if we think about even the idea of clear witness and imagine it on a continuum, and over here is, I'm 100% clear. I'm clear of all judgment, clear of all everything. And over here is I'm laden with judgment and laden with unconscious projections. And there's everything in between. Mm. I simply want to move in this direction. And and this is, I do say this to clients and I'm more than happy to say to, to the world, I'm not all the way over here. I simply strive to and own that I'm not over here and see it. And when it bubbles up in a client, meeting, which it will. Hopefully, I have established enough trust and enough grace and a, or enough trust and enough safety with the client that if they feel they tighten up because they they sense some judgment in me, that they tell me, that they say, I just felt a little judged. And I go, oh, yeah, let me, yeah, I think I'm feeling a little judgment, actually. And then I own it and we clear it from the space by me being willing to own it. Or maybe it's, I'm not feeling judgment. Maybe it's there, but I can't see it. I'm wondering what you picked up that has you receive it as judgment. Mm -hmm. And it becomes an inquiry. That to me is, there's tons of hope in that. I'm, if my goal is to be here and forevermore, I don't think I will, but we can always move in that direction. Yeah, I, I think it's a striving towards. I think yeah. as human beings, some of us, we a lot of us, we go unconscious. It's easy to go unconscious. We're bombarded by messaging this, that, and we've just we've allowed so many things to distract us from really going internally and deep. And I think that the stronger communication that we develop, the better and more effective we are. And this may rub some people the wrong way, but I'm going to say it. I was teaching a class a couple months ago on ChatGPT with a friend of mine who's a brilliant, famous marketer, sold 2 million books, and we're teaching the class and we're talking about it. And as she and I were prepping to teach the class, we both had a moment of insight and we said, wow, for better or for worse, whether you love or hate AI, it is teaching us how to be better communicators. You have some people who might use one of those new AI image generators like Canva or one of those. And it's yep. going to reflect back to you directly what you put in. Same thing with ChatGPT. But the thing is, I think it's teaching us as human beings, we've gone unconscious on the cost and impact of our communication. And the more clear and the more open and curious and being like, oh, wow, I see how that just landed for you as judgment. That wasn't what I was committed about. Tell me more about that as opposed to where it becomes this almost this battle of an accidental adversarial relationship between you and your spouse, you and your coach, you and your business partner. We don't pause and give ourselves that ability to dive into inquiry and curiosity, which it really sounds like is a tenant of your work. Yes, among many tenants, it is one of the one of the 
if my goal, if I'm a transformational coach and my goal is to help, I help facilitate and guide the client through their transformation, then the space that we create with each other becomes crucial. I'd like to think, I think this is true that, no, I know this is true. I deeply, am deeply committed to that space, even with you right now. Can I be with you in a way that's tracking you, present with you? You asked two questions. I missed the first question. I got engrossed in the second and missed the first. You said, that's okay. We'll fluidly move on. I'm present with 90, 95%, not so much in my head, anticipating or wishing you would ask a question, but instead present. Being present, being a clear witness, being deeply curious, emotionally curious, not just intellectually curious, are part of the space believe that I bring to the party, you also bring to the party. And if we can together, whether you're client or friend or lover or whatever, no, we're not lovers. I've never met her. In <laughs> but where any of those things, can I be present with you? Mm. Can I see you as you closer to as you are or wish to be seen? Can I see your the foibles or the challenges in your life? And can I hold them with love? That's the space. And it's not the process of the journey of transformation, but without that space, the process can never be achieved in my estimation, mm -hmm. at least the one as I've defined it in the book. Yeah, I find this so powerful. And you reminded me of something, Keith, one of my dear friends who I actually met in a really brilliant coaching program many years ago. We do a coaching call for each other every week where we partially check in, but we also see if there's anything we need. And I remember one day, a year or two ago, she told me about a practice that she and her romantic partner have where they say to each other before they go to bed, is there anything on the glass between us? I think that's yeah, yeah. It's just looking at, we don't even realize it, but we put things on this glass so I can't oh, creep or whomever clearly. And I just find that to be so helpful is my husband and I have our own practice of we ask, did I cause you pain today? And you know what? Sometimes we're aware of it and sometimes you're unconscious. And if we don't discuss it, if we don't bring that curiosity, then it builds and it festers like a wound until one day all of a sudden you're in excruciating pain because it's never been dealt with. And I think this is really a metaphor for all of our relationships. So Keith, I would love to hear from you. Was there any tidbit from the book that I didn't ask you about or takeaway that you'd love to leave our listeners with today? Maybe a salient point, something you'd love to throw out there. A couple things that just, I'm not going to go through the seven-step process. They can get the book and read about it. But there's two things I would want to say. One is, let's define the term transformation. So to be transformation, an agent of transformation, transform. So trans means shift and form means form. What's the form that we're shifting? Mm. Was the question. So I think the term transformation is thrown around a lot. It's utilized a lot. It's becoming more and more popular. But in my mind, the, when somebody presents a problem, there's an underlying paradigm. And what, in order for that problem to truly shift in an enduring way, we need to excavate into the paradigm. And, and that's what's shifting. Once the paradigm shifts, the behavior shift and the outcome shift. The second thing I want to say is that, oh my God, I had it. And then I lost it. Give me a moment. Oh, yeah. So in order to shift a paradigm, I've got to understand paradigms. 
And I wrote the book in part because there was nothing out there for coaches. There are no books for coaches on transformational coaching except one. There's no books for paradigms and understanding paradigms at all. There's only a couple books that talk about the personal paradigm, and those were written 30 years ago. Mm. Not much out there, which fascinates the heck out of me. Why is that? And so I decided, okay, I think I do understand. I've been for 40 years studying paradigms, and for 40 years I've been working with people to help them transform. I've been using the language of paradigms, but never wrote about it. So I wrote the book because I wanted to offer this. And what I want to say about it is that if I'm going to be mucking around with somebody's lives and helping them transform their paradigms, then I better understand how they form, why they exist, and how they get locked in place. If I'm going to be able to be truly helpful, that understanding is essential. It's not enough. Then I got to understand how do you unlock paradigms? How do you help people dislodge them and take them through a journey? So if there was one thing I'd want anybody who's a helper or a coach, understand paradigms. My book doesn't, it's 10% of what I would write about it, but I, I wrote enough to say, here's a way of thinking and approaching coaching that I think would be meaningful. Beautiful, Keith. And where can people find the book? We have Dr. Keith Marin on here, author of The Art of Transformational Coaching. Where should people go if they want to connect with you or find the book? Ringing my doorbell and coming in and I'll give you a book in my home, amazon.com. They probably exist in other stores, but it's buy it, put 10 cents in my pocket. Make you 10 cents, Richard. Lots of valuable tidbits in the book and such a pleasure to have you here again, Dr. Keith Marin, sharing about the art of transformational coaching. I invite us all as we go out into these weeks, into these months, into the coming year to see where we can apply this principle of curiosity and to see where we might be assuming rather than getting curious and perhaps maybe a new door, a new window into your soul or the soul of someone else will open. I am Jennifer Cahill, CEO of OptiMatch. It's been a pleasure to have you here with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness with Jennifer K. Hill. We would love it if you would take a moment and write a review for us or rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you'd like to stay in touch and find out about upcoming events with some of the amazing guests we've had on the show, like Deepak Chopra and other world thought leaders, feel free to join my email list at metabizics, M-E-T-A-B-I-Z-I-C-S dot com. Again, that's metabizics.com. And you can go ahead and join our email list there. Thanks so much. And we look forward to having you join us next week.